They're coming to get you. The persons who have recently died have been returning to life. Have been returning to life. The Fear Central Radio Show. Hey fellow horror fans, welcome to the Fear Central Radio Show. I am your host, Mike, and this week joining me is my lovely wife, Chris. Hello. Hello. Mrs. Doubtfire, maybe? Hello. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, this week it's just us because, um, as everybody else out there is aware, you know, school's getting ready to start back up and everything's getting to go. And, you know, here at Fear Central, we have the same thing, so we got to get our kids all ready, too. So. You know that whole saying of it was the night before Christmas? I feel like, you know, it's was the night before school starts and all through the house, all the moms and dads rejoiced. Actually, that happens the day of school because it's like, bye bye, get on the bus. Oh, look, they're gone. <laughs> and and we, we didn't kill them or anything. So it's a, <laughs> we survived another summer. We survived summer. summer. Yay. Um, but uh, we are continuing with our trend of. Uh, Questions of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, questions of the week. And so last week we talked about reboots and remakes. Yep. And so this week we posed the question, is the age of originality in the horror genre finished? Is it done? Ooh, that's like food for the masses. I know, it's a very deep subject. Very deep. But is it? Is it done? Are, are, we, are we now just a conglomerate of greedy, money-hungry... Hollywood studios that sell their soul for all the licensing so they can make all the money and in doing so go I don't like this script it's too original make it look like this movie are we talking about the whole genre acting like Hollywood or are we talking about just the big wigs that are acting like Hollywood in the independent filmmakers yeah but you don't really see a whole lot of the independents hitting the box office now they're going straight to netflix or to amazon or hulu or saw. something like that well saw it was a big budget film that's why um james wan is where he is that was a studio budgeted film and by a then, very small studio at the time uh i would actually have to look that up but i don't think it was i want to say it came out through lionsgate I believe it. Yeah, I'm going to have to pull that up while we discuss this. Even to bet. Um, but you also, you know, you think, like the movie Hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um, a great film, although as good as it was and, and as good a story as it was, wasn't truly original. It had a lot of the same kind of um, motif as Halloween or Friday the 13th. Well, that's So like- much so that Kane Hodder played the villain. It's he played Victor Crowder. I know, but, you know... What do you expect him to play the Tooth Fairy in a pink tutu? That's just not going to work. The formula doesn't match. You stick Kane where he's good at, killing people and throwing things. I understand that. Namely, bodies and bags, but well, you know, And get I've the seen drift. him do other stuff that True. was way outside of the norm slasher-style film. I think every once in a while, you know, even killers have to kind of pull back and do something different just to kind of ground themselves and then get back into the the pit so to speak probably so but you know it even though it is a great film and i like it myself i've watched all three of them um i've only seen the first one 
you know, it, it, it's a good story. It has a good backstory. It does. And the character's somewhat unique in, in, in the fact. But do you think Victor Crowley was another deformed kid like Jason Voorhees? Correct. And then he grew up and things happened and he's taking his revenge out on the nubile young flesh that happened into the swamp just like at Camp Crystal Lake. So it's really not truly original. But what is classified as an original? Now, I know a lot of people say there's no such thing as originality anymore. See, that's the key term. But if you get yourself a story that's more unique than some of the others, Mm, that comes close to being original. You look at Nightmare um, on Elm Street, Wes Craven's first one. Everybody else was doing Jasons and Michaels and you know, prom night and all that kind of stuff. The only and then way you that get this guy that's really skinny and creepy it, and in a dream. But you could kind of base that like last house on the left if you're thinking about it. True. Kid gets hurt. Psychopath gets caught by the parents. Parents kill the psychopath. The right. only way Nightmare on Elm Street version differs is that he gets to come back and kill their kids. Right. Which kind of puts him in the slasher genre, but yet it's Correct. still more original than what the slashers were doing at the time. You know, it was it was it wasn't a big beefy guy chasing you through the woods or through the neighborhood with a machete or a butcher knife. You know, it was something in your dreams and it was a little skinny guy that was smart mouthed and wise assed and came after you with a glow full of hooks or mm. knives. True. I'm still looking up the saw thing. <laughs> Having difficulties here on Imdaba. There's cast, director, writers. And it's not showing who released it. <clears throat> let's see, let's go to see if there's maybe anything in the trivia. But you know, I personally think that I, I don't know, I guess with over the last five to ten years, some of the ones that I would probably consider that are a little better at being more unique or close to original. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the possession earlier, you know, true, a possession film, but unlike any of the others, this one had to go with a completely different route um, by basing it on a Jew burial box or wine box or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And even though there was possession, it wasn't done in the same way. You know, there wasn't Catholic priests running in and they didn't have an old one and a young one. And they weren't, you know, compel this and compel that and compel everybody. And everybody's compelled and we're all pelling. And I don't know where the where, where you're going with this, Mike, but, you know, get on it. Okay, here I go, here I go. Okay. So, you know, but it, it brought in a completely different look into possession based on a different style of religion. Twisted Pictures was the distributor. Where'd you get that? Because I'm awesome like that. I know you're awesome. I just wanted to know where you got it. Bing. Oh. Are you sure? 
pretty sure. I wouldn't lie to you. I could have sworn that was really easy to get to on IMDb. No, not always. Uh, let's see. Produced by original music, cinematography, film editing, production design, art direction, makeup department, production management. Thanks, other crew, music department, editorial, costumes, casting, directed by, righted by, produced by. But anyway, you know, that's where I like the position because it is a little bit different. It's a little, goes off into a different direction than your other style. Um, Okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Although I don't believe that the second one, I think the second one got picked up by a much bigger studio. Uh-uh. Uh, I closed the wrong thing. I didn't want to do that. Um, but yeah, the possession, you know, it's just, uh, I liked it. It was a good take on something. It was a fresh idea to a hashed out, Exorcism, cookie cutter. Well, anymore, everything's kind of hashed out. I mean, how many times can you make a zombie movie in the same formula with the same thing? I mean, somebody bites somebody else, scratches somebody else. Infection, you know. Oh, exactly. Gas leak. Um, summoned back from the dead. Right. Military experiment. End of the world. I mean, you know, how many times can you do that? How many times can you do a haunted house? That's true. Somebody being possessed. That's well, yeah. Object being possessed. Right. And that's where I also kind of like Sinister as kind of a new take on things. Because it wasn't a traditional kind of a ghost story, uh, paranormal kind of thing. It followed another type of religion the ancient pagans or whatever with. I think it differed in the fact that it had to deal with kids most of the time when you're dealing with possessions it's the adults or it's an object it, very rarely do you see a movie where the kids are possessed and I think that's where Sinister gets its originality from right it's the first one that kind of delved into the taboo of, oh, let's take something sweet and innocent and just totally foobar the hell out of it. Right. Which is where I also think Clown comes from and why it took so long to come to America. Clown was just sick. Right. <laughs> and it was good because it was a little more original. Oh, it was definitely it was original. along the lines of Sinister and to like some kind of ancient kind of paganistic kind of thing that and, and has gone on through time. I will have to say this. I oh, sorry, cloying. Just the fact that it deals with clowns. I fucking hate clowns. Thank I know you, you do. very much, Stephen King. I know you do. Um, and so does our good friend Heather that was with us last week. Yes, but and it was, she was both dying of us. She, but, but she wanted to see it. <laughs> and you were like in the corner going, no, help me. Help no, me. see, I no, that's bullshit. <laughs> Let's be honest about that. I was right there at front watching it. She was the one that goes, I have to go to the bathroom. And I go, okay. And so we pause it. And she was like, well, yeah, can you? And I'm like, don't pause the damn movie. Yeah, we had to pause it. Couldn't miss a second of it. Yeah, it wasn't me that was freaking out. 
Well, she wasn't so much freaking out because she did kind of like when we went to see Sinister 2 and she was in a theater and he jumps up. And goes, ooh, he's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then she turns and ducks and everybody looks at me like I said it. I know. I Thanks know. for that one, Heather. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Um, but, you know, you mentioned one earlier by the Saska sisters. Oh, American Mary. Right. Another good one. Yes. Um, I don't know how much I would... I, I guess if you take the blood and the violence and everything, you can classify it horror, but it seems to deem more towards like a psychological thriller. I think the reason that it kind of has its own originality is it's the first one that you actually see kind of why the villain goes off on the deep end and does what she does. Most of the time when you watch a horror movie, you only get maybe a little teeny tiny taste of why the villain is the way they are. Right. You only get like, you know, a smidgen. Like with Halloween, you know, you see that he was really just neglected and, you know, his sister's screwing right. her boyfriend instead of watching him. Parents mm-hmm. are doing whatever, so the kid's feeling neglected. Right. You get to see that one little bit snippet, but then it doesn't really explain why he goes off the deep end and kills everybody. And that's the reason why I believe Rob Zombie had to come in and do the, the I guess, remake, reboot that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he wanted to give people that backstory. My problem was, is if you watch the original John Carpenter's Halloween at the beginning, they don't look anything like Rob Zombie's version of the backstory. You know, they had a nice car and a nice house and a suburb, and they were wearing nice clothes. He did it that version because he wanted it to go. You know, I I believe he was trying to appease the 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 the, the younger generation. Oh yeah, but you know, I think the reason Carpenter did the way he did was because you know, evil can lurk in the most nicest of homes. Oh yeah, exactly. just you know those of us that are families so to speak right but then you know those of us that are you know huge horror fanatics that have seen all these films as we've been growing up through late 70s into the 80s and 90s and what have you to see that version come out yes it was done very well and it was bloody and it was gory and it was you know a good roller coaster ride of 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 you know, chasing and killing and whatever. Mm-hmm. But to me, because I know that first original movie, I'm like, how do you go from a house in the suburbs to living in a trailer park as a striptease pole dancer with a drunk boyfriend where clearly at the beginning of the film, they've got a nice house in the suburbs, they have a nice car, they have nice clothes, and he goes off the deep end there. So I don't, I don't understand the correlation. Well, why is the book never, or why is the movie never like the book? A lot of times it's because, one, length of film. Two. Two, it's because there are little intricacies in the book that, all, although are impertinent to the story in the book, aren't pertinent to move the story along in a film. And then you take the next twist, which is you're trying to package it for the next generation. Right. Well, the next generation didn't grow up with our morals and values and our, you know love for the horror genre so they're going to but our need kids do. something well you know and that that kind of those kids and change kids and okay you're taking a small <coughs> group of children 
in a very large world that grew up on how to respect the classics of horror genres and the reason why we allow our children to watch these is because we want them to you know first of all understand that you know even though it's not real these things can happen in the world well right and you know they do our children especially they love special effects anybody that's involved with our family knows you know majority of it's not real it's kind of mask or suit or right you know. but you think of back when you know we first got together and stuff i'd put on the masks in the store and whatever and you would be like stop you're gonna scare them to our two-year-old child right <laughs> now look at our, now look at that child not scared of anything yeah because now they she, found out that it's fake right but a lot again you're you're trying to you're comparing apples and oranges they're both round ish both fruit I should just start up a Kickstarter or, you know, something like that. To kick my ass? No, to set up for bail money for me, for him killing you. That that would be GoFundMe. But anyway. GoFundMe (laughs) to get out of jail. But anyway, you know, we were talking earlier also, I mean, you look at, okay, so stuff you see in America other than the really low budget um, independents that are trying to do everything on their own, you know. Right get their own funding get their own distribution go straight to netflix or amazon or you know whatever there are some really good independent horror films and there are and you look back that don't get enough credit i mean uh, halloween friday the 13th prom night those were all pretty much low budget independents night of the living dead night of the living dead you know great stuff it's like taking music that is classic and sampling the hell out of it and then, yeah, and then they're, like, throwing dub beats into it, and they're throwing all this other stuff into it to make it for... I mean, our youngest daughter is very into a song that came out in the 50s, but because it's all dance beats and dubstep, she likes it. You know, and it's my boyfriend, or my party, it's my boyfriend, whatever. <laughs> okay, this is how disconnected you are. It's Rod Stewart. No, it's not. <laughs> it's my party... Oh, that's the other one. Okay. Yeah. I was talking about our 19-year-old that's hooked on Oh, no, 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 no. She, she's, she's listening really to classic Rod Stewart, not the new stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I was my point to that was, you know, all this stuff in America and whatever's going on, other countries don't seem to have those cookie-cutter ideas. I mean, you look at stuff coming out of Japan and Germany and Australia. I mean, they're not typical no they're not it's like over here we've decided it's all about the business of filmmaking and no longer about the art it once you get past a certain point in your career and then you know australia and germany and japan and india and wherever they're all like we don't care we're gonna make films i think the thing about it is is that you know they say sex sells but the thing about america is they're so they view it as taboo in the movies i mean we have such a tight grip on what's regulated in even in horror movies and overseas 
they may have regulations, but they're very lax compared to ours. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they have anything similar to an MPAA. They do to have... To say, you can't put that in your film. It's, it's, it's not, not necessarily a rating, but it's more censorship of some... some. I don't want to say some sort, but they do have some censorship. Right. Not a whole lot, but they do have a little bit. Right. Um, as far as, you know, horror movies from other other lands so to speak right you know they there are some good ones and there's some bad ones just yeah. like over here well you look at audition audition was wonderful i loved you know, it it's a great film it's really creepy it's the only problem i had with audition was she killed the puppy true but then that also goes into what we were just talking about if that was in an american film that they they would have been told either cut that scene or we're going to give you an nc-17 which or means nobody will come look. and see you are you, are you, are you cut it away to where it, it only simulates that she did something to the puppy, but we don't actually see it. Well, you know. Which is another reason I think Clown took so long to get over here to us. Because really, even though it's based on kids, it was based on kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that the only scene that they show, at least in the American version, I don't know if it stretched any further in England or anywhere else, was when he bites the kid's finger off. What was the other one? Uh, Cannibal Holocaust. That was another one. Yeah. But when we watched the original and we watched the remake, it's just both of them. <laughs> turtle soup. Yeah, turtle soup. <laughs> I'll never look at spikes the same way. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about when we watched Cannibal Holocaust and then Eli Roth had yeah. his, um, can't even remember the name of it now, um, Green something? Ouch. Hey, you're making noises. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I watched a German film called Blood Glacier. Not the best film out there, but unique enough that it was something fresh and something new that was like... I can't stop watching this because it's so different than anything else I've seen here in the States because, you know, they they take those, I guess, risks that some of us won't do or they just go ahead and get it done because they know there it's going to get made. Where here, we have people slapping us on the wrist going, you can't bite their lip off like that. Yeah, it's a little, you know, I think... The rating system is a little backwards, and the censorship board, which is really the ratings funny. board, is just uh, just the things that they. I mean, the things that they ban in the movies is just stupid. I uh, mean, you see more horror on the nine o'clock news. You do now, yeah. Than you do in an actual horror movie, exactly. And it's all glorified and there for everybody. It's no wonder why America has become so desensitized when it comes to violence. Yeah, give us dirty laundry. Mm. You know, and what's really funny is this country in itself was formed on the basis of not being controlled by a government entity like that. That was the idea. That's written in the Constitution. What it was built on was a lot of blood, sex, and booze. Maybe. But, you know, it is designed for we the people by the people, not we the government by the government. Mm, It actually states in there that government should take a backseat to the people. And it has changed 
So now we get things like the MPAA that's going to tell us, you can't do this, you can't do that. You have to make it look like this movie, or we're going to put a rating on it that no one will go watch. Or, you know, get... Or we're not going to give you a rating. Get banned from websites because they think that you actually tortured somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, we put this question out to our Facebook and Twitter and everything every week. Our Twitter? Yes. Did we get any replies from our Twitter? We got one this week, which we one. hope we'll build one. from here. Um, Paul on our Facebook says... Hi, Paul. Uh, hello, Paul. Uh, it says, yes, for the time being, the age of originality is over, and in quotes, are in parentheses, is for everything. Uh, we tried to we tried to sing it a fitting song, but we all, all we could come up with was a poor rehash that sounded like La Viva Bohème from Rent. Ooh, nice reference. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you'll see original works here and there, but most of the original work will be in the interactive sector, which is like games and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, choose your own adventure games and the like. Um, just as gut feeling. Yeah. And, you know, pretty much what Paul said. It's, it's you know, independents are bringing us new bits of film celluloid to just soak up and so when you do find an original film it's few and far between but you love it and you just take it and that's why i like you know going on to vimeo uh and or sometimes youtube to see what some of the the kids today are putting out because they are going out into their own backyards and their own neighborhoods and they're putting stuff together and even though it's maybe 10 15 20 30 minutes long it, it's something that you're not seeing in the theater because nobody has restrictions over that unless it gets to a certain uh, content where YouTube's like, this is not good to put up for people to watch. I totally give them props for, you know, wetting their chops and doing it right. low budget and doing some of it's done rather right. well. And because of today's technology, we're seeing this now because of YouTube and Vimeo and all those other services like that. Um, where, you know, back in the day with, you know, Sean Cunningham and, and uh, Wes Craven and all them when they were coming out with their stuff, it spent a lot of money because you shot on actual film and you had to get that processed and you had to get your prints printed. And it was a lot of money to do a short like that back then where today I can slap digital. in a small SD card into a $400, you know, camera. Okay, but that's a way another discussion. And I can go make what I want to make that's original. Because I don't have those restrictions from the MPAA going, that's too violent or that's too sexual or that's got too many drugs or that's got, you know, too many drugs in your sex scene or, you know, whatever. Sexual drugs. (laughs) Which is completely different from sex or chocolate. And if you're a movie fan, you'll understand that reference. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> I was thinking blood for chocolate. Uh-huh. Some blood and chocolate or whatever the hell that or that yeah, werewolf, that werewolf movie. movie. Yeah, blood and chocolate or something there like that. There you go. Not chocolate, but No, that was That was some girly thing. Oh shut up. <laughs> Which is kinda of horrific by in itself. <laughs> Showgirls, I'm telling you, terrifying. I don't know. I was Snow talking. Shark. 
even more terrifying. No shark. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, Avalanche Shark wasn't much better. Uh, yeah, no. which I, I thought was going to be a sequel, but it wasn't. It was something different. Oh dear God. And, and that's where you get to your originality. You know, people are coming out with these stories and they look really bad because it's, you know, low low budget and it's, you know, low camera work and it's low story and scripts aren't that great, but they're getting them made. And they're getting them out there to Netflix and YouTube and Vimeo and Hulu. Well, and just because you can slap something together and, you know, throw it on Vimeo or YouTube doesn't necessarily mean it should have been made. That's true, you know, too. That's like fast food for the masses. And and it, you can actually kind of put that into horror content. So a lot of the, you know, B-horror movies that came out so fast, like even way back in the 50s, you know, right. it was all... It, it was all pretty much cookie cutter, get it out to the masses. Right. I mean, how many sci-fi films came out in the 50s about UFOs? Oh, tons. Tons. Monsters mm-hmm. and creatures and... Because that was what, you know, the society wanted back then. Same thing happened even prior to that in the movies you love. All the musicals. Cut a musical, get it out. Cut a musical, get it out. Cut a musical, get it out. I don't just love that. Thank you very much. Yeah, but during that time, they they had women in an editing room treating them like they were seamstresses. Just cut these films together, get it out. Cut these films together, get it out. Right. You know, it wasn't like today where... um, if you can wager a deal with a studio to get final cut, the directors end with the editor going, okay, let's make this the best-looking, best movie we can put out. Sometimes that's not always a good idea. Yeah, and I've even heard interviews with directors. It's like, you know, I, I would look at my editor and be like, no, let's cut here, and then they would cut there, and then we would look at their cut, and, of course, their cut was cleaner and tighter and better-looking, and so we just went with their cut. That's why you're a trained editor. Right. But, you know, I think today's technology has is, is freed up the youth to go out and make what they want to make. And YouTube, for instance, gives them that place to show it. That's why if you look at um, film festivals nowadays, the, the short film is really not a big marketable thing. I mean, producers today are like, that was a nice little short can he do a feature not my to give thing, him a chance like they did back thing. in the 80s if, and 70s if it's a independent and he's busting his chops and he actually turns out a really good movie and I you know not that I am but if I were to be in a studio I would want to see him make a full feature right and that's what they're saying what can he do with a full feature? When I see him put one of those up, I'll know he can do something and we'll talk to him. I would say, based on his short film, he can do that. Let's see what he can do with a real one. Give him, you know. And that's what they did through the 70s and 80s and 90s. Right. When there was no internet for my, you know, 12-year-old to grab a, a small camera or a phone and put something together and then do some studying on After Effects to make it look good. And now I've got a theater-looking film that I did with my phone um and put it up on YouTube for anybody to watch. Mm. Why do I why do I worry myself with those in the, in the film festival when anybody can do it on YouTube? I want to see a full feature and I want to see that it can be done well and then we'll talk to them about moving forward. Uh, don't mind the extra noise here. We have a new addition to the family here at Fear Central. It's uh, Crowley. 
our wonderful little uh, hellish puppy. Little demon spawn. Right? Uh, hence the no name. Wonder why, no wonder why he fits in the damn family That's so right. Well. It's true. Uh, so if you hear rattling or ruffling or jingling, that's Crowley running around when uh, he's not supposed to be. But anyway, moving on to, you know... All right, let's. We talked about some films we felt were good with originality. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about why there is such a need for it. Well, I think the need for originality, especially in today's horror genre, is the fact that you know we grew up with. We ourselves as a genre, anybody forty and up, we kind of got spoiled. Okay. We had. You know, we had the monsters of Universal. We had, you know, our Freddy, our, you know, our Jason, you know, our aliens. We got the choice of the horror genre. True. You know, so we kind of got spoiled. Right. So when we see something half-assed or, you know, just blended together and thrown on a slab. Come up to the lab. <laughs> see what's on my slab. Let's see what's on the slab. Um, we kind of go, no, thanks. You know, we'll wait till right. something good comes out. Or, you know. But is it? It's kind of like a foodie. They go to a restaurant. Okay. They, they order good food. food. From a five-star restaurant. Okay. Okay. Same person goes over to your house. You make a mac and cheese. They won't eat it because it's mac and cheese. Um, okay. Food's food. I'm right. fat. Doesn't well, matter. <laughs> yeah, but to somebody who, you know, we we crave a certain substance in our horror genre. That's true. We, we crave... That originality in our villains and in, you know, even so much in the victims that they kill. We, you know, we always, there's, there's always, always a, there was the asshole. There's, you want to die. There's always a slut. Always a slut that you're like, you can kill her later. There's always a good guy. Yeah. You got to have your survivor. There's always, um, the girl next door. Yes. Which always uh, some most of the time ends up being that survivor. There's always somebody crazy in the film. Yeah, because you're going to camp blood, ain't ya? Mm-hmm. But the, you look at that. Usually, the crazy old men usually come through in the Friday the Thirteenth. You don't really see the crazy old men in Nightmare on Elm Street films or in the Halloween films. But then you do in certain other films. Like I think there was one in Hatchet. There was one in Hatchet. I mean, there's always that. Um There's always that. It's not so much a guidelines, you know, like in Scream. They said there's always that person that right. says don't go. There's always that formula that you just don't mess with. And I'll I think right if, <laughs> hey. I think if you mess with that formula too much, then the people like us that have grown up on the choice ones are just like, what the fuck? This is a waste of my time and brain cells. But is it? Ha- have has either Hollywood dictated what we believe is a good film or have we just gotten to the point as a people that we're just like you know 
I don't want variation. I like to keep my... I keep, and that's why we have so many um, paranormal movies and why we have so many possession I movies. I like a little variety why we have so many in my victims. Movies, you know? Or is it the businesses that these films are distributed to, the ones that are saying, this is what the people are going to like and this is what we're going to carry? I think, it's a con- I think it's a collaboration of, you know, these studios, they get these movies and... They're being told by the ratings board what they will and will not accept, and therefore they just hack the shit out of the films. And so what we get is just this leftover, so to speak. Mm, leftovers. The doggy film, bags. Of what the film should have originally been. Doggy bag horror movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, whether, that should be a low-budget <laughs> film company right there. Now whether, <laughs> now whether or not, you know, the, that leftover is good enough for us you know it's not like cold pizza it's up to us that's true you know you look at fright night so if any of you are thinking about doing a horror film company you should (laughs) you should go with doggy bag film productions I want ten percent. Right, we get a finder's fee. For that we get name. a finder's fee yeah, for we, the name. We came up with a name, so we get we get a finder's fee for the name. But uh, you can have the rest because we ourselves have Thoughtbox Studios, yes. which is um, a film studio and makeup studio all in one. Really, it is um, be kind of it, it, Thoughtbox has kind of become its own entity, but that's besides the point. Right. You know, originality in films, I think there is definitely, I don't think it's dead, but it's definitely on life support. I could go with that. Yeah. You know, we're just waiting for the guy to come in and go clear. Or you keep hoping that, you know, they'll go, oh, it, someone's going to put it with a stick. Yeah. It'll come out of the coma any minute now. Put any minute stick. now. Any minute now. I think it's on life support. I think that, you know, society and the MP ratings and the bigger picture is they've pretty much hacked it to pieces. And, you know, what we get is either every once in a while you get a really good horror movie. Right. Or you get lots of crappy horror movies. And you kind of have to just weed through them. Right. And does some of that come from the directors themselves? I mean, how many of the somewhat original horror films over the last five or ten years come from self-made filmmakers versus all these young starters coming out of film school with the cookie-cutter approach because we were taught in film school, this is how you do it. And so they come up with a storyline or they get their hands on a script and they're like, okay, it's a decent story, but we need to change this and change this and change this so it meets this criteria of what a good film is. You know, I, I, uh, Scott Derrickson that did, you know, Sinister. I don't remember I heard an interview, uh, interview with him and Kevin Smith on Kevin Smith's uh, Smodcast, but I don't remember if he finished film school like, you know, so a lot of the others do, or if he dropped out like Rodriguez and Kevin Smith and, you know, some of the others that have come into their own just because they had the passion, they had the creativity, and they, they went out and did it regardless of whether they were formulated into a specific way of making films. I think when it comes to filmmakers, you either have to have the passion in your blood or you just don't have it. And if you don't have it, you put out the shitty ones. If you have the drive and the passion, then you make the good movies. 
Yeah. Because you know you you yourself would not want to go watch a piece of shit, so you're going to make that movie the best you can. Exactly. Um, you, you know, talking Rodriguez, you know, from Dust Till Dawn. It was a vampire film, but it wasn't your typical vampire film. It was somewhat of an original idea for a vampire film. To put it down in, you know, the titty bar in Mexico, <coughs> and it's all based on a couple of fugitives that are murderers and, and robbers. And there's really no good guy in the whole film. But then the two robbers end up becoming kind of the good guys because they have to survive it. I don't know. I kind of like Savini's character. Right. But there again, none of them in the film at all are your traditional good guy. Like you have in your Friday the 13th where you got the survivor chick because she's smarter and, and more knowledgeable and you know whatever or or lucky or you know um <laughs> lori strode in halloween you know the whole i'm a survivor kind of mentality but she's the good clean girl that does her homework and doesn't go out on friday night and and all that kind of stuff you're talking about Jamie Lee Curtis just being a badass naturally true yeah I'm and that sorry. dance she did in that movie mm, not halloween but the one with yeah, I know. Oh, I watched Schwarzenegger. True Lies. Yeah. Oh, that dance. It's a good dance. Crowley, you eat loud. He's just munching on a bone. Leave him alone. I know. That wasn't from the one from the other day, was it? No. Some boy wanting to know if he could date our daughter. Oh, okay. That one. Okay. I took care of him. All right. I got you. Um, but yeah, I mean... Where does that line come from in that originality? Is it because Hollywood is deeming these are what the people want to watch, or is it the companies that are selling the films like Walmart and No, and, I think and you actually have some filmmakers that are like, well, fuck you, I'm still going to put out a good movie, and that's where your originality comes from. Right. Yeah, that's why I was like, is it the is it is it that's because of film school or is it because clowns of and and American Mary and you know sinister? They just get to the point where they're like, you know what? You can tell me to make it look this way, and I can only simulate sex, and I can only have this much drugs in it, or I can only have this much violence in it, or the killer can only look like he's putting the the machete down, or you know, right? Person can only look like this from the side angle, getting dismembered or what have you but fuck you I'm still going to make the damn movie and make it look good uh, it makes me wonder if, if you can liken it to um, Face Off on Sci-Fi Channel that show we watch all the time um, that's based on a competition of makeup special effects artists correct um, is it is it is it portrayed like that as far as the directors are concerned where you've got everybody trying to put out something creative and individual but then you've got those ones that are going to take that extra risk to make something that they think looks really good that they think will win or are you that one that's going to just I'm going to do I what I can thinking outside the box right that's what I'm saying are, do we, are is it kind of like that is it are, are the directors that are putting out these unique almost original type of stories those ones that are willing to take those risks like those contestants or are they the ones that you know decided 
I'm going to do the safe thing and I'm going to put out what everybody else is putting out. I think the thing about it is, is that, that you have these independent filmmakers that they make this movie and then they're like, okay, screw it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go all the way in. It's like playing poker, you know? Do you play it safe? You go all in and just say screw it and bet everything. Well, nobody knows anymore. They all get to wear sunglasses. Sometimes you just got to go screw it. I'm all in. And then there are times where the filmmakers are like, okay, I've put it in. I've got my foot in the door. Do I play it safe now? Or do I still say screw it and go for everything? True. And sometimes you have, you know. And I, as a filmmaker, have read books upon books upon books and watched videos and all kinds of stuff as, as, as to be, you know, kind of the self-taught independent filmmaker, as opposed to going to the colleges that teach you this is how you make a film. And so then I learned how to make a film the way Hollywood wants a film to be made. Um, and a lot of them are just like, you know, you, you have to take that risk. And just because, let's say, you have $25,000 doesn't mean you can't make a film that looks like you only had $25,000. You can make that's a film that looks like I had $100 million. But see, that's where your originality and creativity come in. Exactly. So, you know, why are we seeing these ones that were like, that could have been really good, but it was really kind of cheesy and crappy but the story was a phenomenal. But was it because of the storyline itself, or was it because they had a low income for the film? That's what I'm saying. Did they put too many expectations in what money they thought they were going to get and only did because what they could I've, with what they had? I've seen some low-budget horror movies that are really good. Exactly. That I would love to see remade, surely for the fact that I know if they had the extra money in the film... That it would fucking make bank. But then I've also heard you can make a bad film on a good script, but you can't make a good film on a bad script. So you take some of these that were like, man, this is really cheesy and kind of dumb, but I can't quit watching it. Snow shark. And you go... Could it have been better if they had a hundred no, million dollars? There, there was no scene. No, that, that, that <laughs> script, that script was just, you know, I, I don't care if you had thirty million dollars and you could get Brad Pitt and Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, in it, it was like that horror movie from Ireland that we watched in Grabbers. Yeah, that I was liked the that movie. film. I thought it was unique, and different, and it had a good approach. But with a little bit of money, more money to it. Yeah, but you can't say with what they had in their budget that the, the alien oh, no. species didn't am, look good. I am saying that for a low-budget horror movie, that was a really good movie. It was a really good movie. Um, I've seen several that have come from other countries that tend to be a little better than what we're doing here in America simply because they don't, I guess, feel that they have that restriction that if I do this, the MPAA is going to say this and either they're not going to give me my rating or they're going to be a bad rating or whatever and my film's just going to go to waste. Or I'm going to have to fight for it. I'm going to have to cut the hell out of it. And, um, you know, the director that did um, Friday the 13th Five, I think it was, which was the non-Jason film, the one where it was the ambulance driver that pretended to be Jason because his son got hacked up by the kid over a candy bar. You know, there were scenes in there that one of them was supposed to be Jason on one of the girls was supposed to take his machete and come right up between the legs. 
And the MPA was like, no, 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 no. If you keep that up, we're going to make it NC-17. Nobody will watch it. So they had to cut. the way the director put it was, I had all these jokes laid out, and the MPAA took my punchlines. And fucked them. Yeah. So it's like, where do we draw that line? Where do we go, okay, I'm going to take this risk and put all my energy and my passion and my creativity and my money and everything into this just to know that if I leave this, 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 or this in it, I may not get my film produced or distributed. You know, do you take that risk on that originality, that that thought that seems to be above and beyond what anybody else is doing? You know, uh, George A. Romero himself thought he had something original with Night of the Living Dead because it was originally called Night of the Flesh Eaters until some critic somewhere went, you know, that was a great unique take on the zombie. And he goes, oh, I guess they are zombies, aren't they? Yeah, um, you know, I mean, that's just kind of one of those, how much do you really want to get your movie made and what are you right. willing to sacrifice to do it? All right. So. I, yeah, it's just, would it be simpler for us to say as thought box to go over to germany or ireland to make our film there even though we don't have you know the hollywood sag people in it that are no names but get that freedom to make it the way we want to make it or do we sacrifice some of the story and how we want to tell it so that we can get those people in the film that you know will maybe get some better out of it because we have some SAG actor that hasn't acted in a while, but everybody knows who he is, and not worry about that MPAA rating. We'll just we'll just cut that thirty seconds out of the film because even though it was part detrimental to the story, we'll cut it out so we can get our film made. You know, questions you have to come up with when you're doing this and trying to be original. Although there is no such thing as originality anymore. I mean, everything's been hashed out and done and redone and whatever. I mean, you think, okay, I'm going to do something in space. Well, space movies have been done. Aliens have been done. And all kinds of forms and fashions. Oh, well, I'm going to do... I think it's like going into... The Living to, Dead. Well, that's done... I think it's like going into Starbucks and, you know, you've got all these vast arrays of coffee, but when you get down to it, to the very, very basic formula, it's still coffee. Right, Exactly. Which is what we're, we, the older generation, want. We just want. I want that cup of joe. I want that cup of joe. I want that original formula back. I, I don't need 18 shots of this and three squirts of that and four pounds of foam and whatever else and let you charge me the price of, you know, um, a small car to get it. Well, I mean, that's. Here's 50 cents. It's kind, of directors. it's kind of directors, you know, the ones that are coming out with this original movies. I mean, they're the ones that go and see these, see how it is. You know, the mass produce grinding of right. horror genre. And they're the ones that I have to kind of commend and, you know, and I can go, yes, please make us something that's original, you know, with our formula, our coffee, our Joe, and just right. give us, give us something good. But, you know, we keep waiting and hoping. Right. 
Enzo. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, you know, tell us your thoughts on it. Always check us out over on our Twitter at uh, Fear Central. And we've also got our Instagram at Fear Central. Um, check out our YouTube page for our video shows. That's actually Fear Central Net. All our one word. YouTuber. <laughs> YouTuber. Um, let's see what else we got. We got Facebook, Fear Central. So lots of ways to get a hold of us. If anything. Twitter. Yeah. Um, the the Twitter, the Facebook, the YouTube, the Instagram. Um, you actually yourself. <laughs> I keep hitting this thing. I don't. Uh, what happens when you get new toys? You, you're so not you you're get, not used to it. Get something close to your face. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, you yourself Sorry. have like a Pinterest for your makeup stuff oh, and your Lord, own Twitter. Yes, and, I have a Pinterest account. Demon mommy. Yeah. Um, so. If you want to talk with Chris specifically about uh, makeup or anything, head on over to thoughtboxstudios.com. She's got her own page there, and you can get access to her email and all her links and ways to get a hold of her. Um, yeah, same you thing with you know me. the rest of. Okay, don't be clicking her that way though. She's mine. <laughs> um, and then you know, rest of the stuff on Thoughtbox projects we're working on. Mm, um, we have some new projects. Coming we do. Up. We've got. Not nude, but new. Oh. I was ready to make those. I don't think nobody would want to see this, though. I see All it every this. night. I know you do, but, you know. For 15 years. I know, but, you know, I, I, you know, you basically gouged out your eyes so you can tolerate it. Yeah, I'm just thanking God for whoever invented the, you know. But, uh. Also, you can head over to our fearcentral.net, and there we also have the links to everything with our YouTube and um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that. Um, If you do catch one of our video shows, don't forget to uh, subscribe to that and uh, put some comments in how we're doing on there. Be prepared. We've got new video shows coming out soon yes we do uh within probably the next couple of weeks we're going to get those back rolling out and tutorials and some tutorials um on chris's youtube channel which is makeup madness and like daniel's makeup madness or something like that no makeup madness so because i know i've searched for it before and there was like 15 different makeup madnesses and i couldn't quite there is but i'm you know yeah but we've got links to that from the Thoughtbox page too, so yes. you can get there from that. Uh, we've got, I think, three to four short films we're going to be coming up with within the next two months or so. And two festivals we're going to be going to next year. Yeah, a couple of festivals we're going to be going to. Monsterpalooza. We're going to be aiming for that one, and we're going to be aiming for our lovely family reunion, Texas Frightmare Weekend. Yeah. Um, there again, that's all going to depend. Um, I've also got some other projects in the work through third parties um, where I may be doing some commercials here soon locally um, just to keep myself busy. And uh, so, I mean, if you're interested in working with us in a film project or here in here on the show, mm-hmm. let us know. Now, we know that you know that this is a, a radio show. So if you're interested in being part of that, we have no problem making it to where it's a call. And we could have you right here on the show with us every week via the phone. And that would be really cool. We could do that. Only if they're, like, you know, going to be 
someone Super cringe reflecting Lisiana's commensionosis? Yeah, not just, hey, I'm going to be on your radio show. Hey, I got no radio show. Yeah, see, he can do Hillbilly Redneck way better than I can. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Okay. You can. You just have to be, you know, about to pass out tired. And then you're like, hey, I want some tea. Most of the time, y'all tell me I have that, uh, the Japanese accent. But then you went on Brooklyn on us last week with Heather. (laughs) You know, hey, what do we call it at three o'clock in the morning? Exhaustion takes its toll. Eh, Well, what can you do? Um, But yeah, also possibly some uh, voice acting stuff coming up for me soon. Uh, doing some stuff behind the scenes on a couple of uh, internet radio stations and what have you. Um, so, you know. Fancy schmancy. Yeah, fancy schmancy, yeah. He's <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Except but, there. <laughs> but don't forget to uh, keep checking back to the website for that video show. Uh, the Fear Central show will be starting back, uh, like I said, probably in the next couple of weeks. So it will be coming soon. Get out of the booth. No, I like it in here. (laughs) So, there you go, folks. Uh, Next week's question that we have postulated. that She's going to just bang and bang and make lots of noise. Um, What is your favorite go-to horror film and why? (laughs) Everybody's got a favorite. My list on that is is so immense that it'll take the whole show just to go through my favorites that, you know, I always go to. Yours is always Hellraiser. Yeah, pretty much any Hellraiser except for Revelations because that one sucked ass. <laughs> um, Lost Boys and uh, my list goes on and on and on. Lost Boys did not suck ass. That's not no. what he meant. No, he no, meant no. that's a go-to for him. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, there's tons and tons and tons of ones that are my go-to. I'm one of those dedicated horror fans enough that if I'm flipping through channels and I see something, I'm just like, ooh, I haven't seen that in like 10 years. I'm going to watch that. And it's good. Still. And... I, I can't get enough of it. I could probably watch almost all the Halloweens except for three. Um, <laughs> over and over, um, just about all the Friday 13th, the Hellraisers, the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Um, almost any franchise except for the ones that would come out probably the late 90s into the 2000s because I just wasn't into what we have deemed um, gore horror. Mm. Saw, Hostel. Grindhouse. Yeah. I don't know. Robert's Grindhouse wasn't too bad. No, no, no. I mean, those I kind of refer to as Grindhouse movies. Yeah, I just call them gore horror. Yeah. Gore fest, gore horror, whatever. Um, So check us out next week when we will be discussing favorite horror films to go to and why we go to them and as always because we need to feed the alligators p-a-r-t-y because i gotta that's it i'm getting my knife (laughs) so check us out next week and uh as always stay scared